Besser centers. And here's Pedersen. Scores! Kai Havertz, who is around Aderson, and Havertz scores for Chelsea! Everyone, welcome to episode ten of the Terminal City FC podcast. I'm Josh Ray, joined by Nathan Durek, as per usual. Nathan, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Not a lot of soccer on my end uh, this this uh, this week, but still doing all right. But there's still stuff to talk about. And, oh, there's always tons well, to talk about. And soccer, as like we said, it's a worldwide sport. Even though when your team isn't playing, there's something to be talk talk about. And we, for, we never uh, have a, a lack of things to talk about. We've got a, a packed week. Yeah, we've got a packed show because we got a lot of stuff to talk about. First, with our local team, the Vancouver Whitecaps. And they're going to be part of an inner, inaugural MLS Next Pro League. Nathan, why don't you explain what that is? Yeah, so th- I guess this is something that's been in discussion for a while. 20 of the teams, or I think it's 19 teams in MLS, and then there's going to be one brand new team that is independent are going to be forming called the MLS Next Pro League. It is essentially a a brand new development league specifically for MLS players and allows teams to give uh, first team experience to players within their developmental programs, within their academies, and even players that are going to be coming out of uh, universities and colleges getting ready for the draft. So Vancouver is going to be one of the teams... Uh, that will be competing in this inaugural league. And actually, just to correct myself, it's actually going to be 20 of the, uh, or 21 clubs that's going to be in it. In Canada, I think Vancouver is the only one. I'm not too sure what Toronto's doing yet. Montreal has come out with uh, a statement saying that they're going to kind of play the wait and see game. Uh, It seems like they might be looking at uh, their Division Three league in Quebec as a, a possible uh, place for a development league. But it does make you wonder. I don't know why you can't do both because that's what Vancouver is doing. Vancouver Academy has a brand new team that's going to be playing in League 1 BC. And now they're also going to have a team here in uh, the next pro league. Uh, I think it's really good. Uh, Axel Schuster has come out uh, talking about in favor. He sees a lot of parallels to where he comes from in Germany. And specifically what he was looking at was he looked back to the last winning German World Cup team and talked about just how many of those players played 30 or more games in developmental leagues before they ever played for their first team. And I mean, it's it's over half the starting 11 and we're talking some big names, Max Hummels, you know. So I think it's just another one of those uh, pathways that is going to benefit the Whitecaps. It's going to benefit MLS in terms of North American 
soccer development and seeing a lot of more North American, whether it's American, Mexican, Canadian uh, players from the Caribbean moving beyond and playing in the world game. You know, it's going to give us a chance to see more uh, Davids and Davies in teams in Europe and elsewhere. So I think it's, uh, I think it's the next step uh, in the growth of the league. And I, I'm excited to see what uh, sort of uh, prospects we get out of uh, a Vancouver next pro team. Just checking here, yep, 21 teams. In addition to Rochester, New York FC, and Toronto's also the other Canadian. Toronto team. isn't, good. Yeah, Montreal isn't, as you said. And it's going to be great for development of the next generation of Whitecaps players. They got their academy in soon-to-be League 1 BC. And now this, so more opportunities for growth and de- development for players. Well, it's huge because, I mean, you think of it, like in, in the past three weeks, the Whitecaps have added two brand new teams in two brand new leagues, specifically focused on developing their players. Vancouver has an extensive academy system. They're the only team in, in the Canadian MLS teams that have academies throughout the entire country. So this is going to allow them to bring a lot of those players to Vancouver earlier and get some game time. Yeah, for sure. And the Whitecaps also have made some roster updates. Uh, first off, options were exercised for Theo Bear, Michael Badizimo, Jermaine Brown, Christian Dahomey, uh, Egbo, Godinho, Gutierrez, Saul Youngworth, and White. So some options have for the Whitecaps roster. Like not everyone's going to going to going to stay and some players are going to go out on loan and they've also declined 2022 options for Isaac Vollmer, Patrick Metcalf and yes Jessar Kamiri to St. Ricketts and Andy Rose are set to become free agents but for Rose um, discussions uh, for him for a new contract are ongoing um, so same with to St. Ricketts and Isaac Bomer. The club has decided not to purchase the option on Bruno Gaspar, who completed his loan um, from Sporting. However, the Whitecaps are continuing discussions with Sporting, and another loan for Bruno Gaspar is still possible. So, I mean, the obvious ones uh, I would bring back are obviously Brian White. Um, for obvious reasons, Florian Youngworth has been mostly good on the defensive side. Same with Christian Dahomey. Um, but there's there's a lot of competition. Because... There is a lot of competition, but there's a lot of these options that are exercised where it's the only player in that position right now. And for me, the big one is looking at the at the wingbacks, Gudinho and Gutierrez. That's only one player on either side, right? right. Uh, we know Nerwinski has played up there he is more of a fullback not a wingback but he has found a new home on that left side of the back three for as a center back and it's done quite well um we looking at these options i can understand why they're looking at pursuing an, another loan for gaspar gaspar was able to play on both sides on wingbacks he he does normally naturally play on the right but he did uh, fill in on the left here uh, quite a few times, especially when Gutierrez was injured 
for a significant part of the season back when they were uh, playing in Salt Lake City. Um, I think what this does is it, looking at what they decided to renew, who is leaving, it gives me an idea of where the Whitecaps are going to be focusing come the Super Draft or uh, looking uh, in terms of transfers. And I'm looking at the defense. I, they, if Sartini wants to continue playing with his back three and with wing backs that are going to be pushing up the sides, those are spots that need depth and, you know, needs people challenging for those top spots. Yeah, for sure. I do feel a little bad with uh, uh, Kamiri. Uh, he came in with a lot of promise from, uh, I think he came actually from the top league in Tunisia. Yep. But he has just been plagued by injuries, absolutely plagued by injuries. So he'll find uh, somewhere, somewhere else to find a fresh start. I think he needs it, right? And then I think I think he will find a fresh start, uh, whether it's uh, back closer to uh, to home for him or elsewhere in MLS. But uh, yeah, he needs a fresh start. He needs to uh, uh, get healthy. And uh, get playing again. He needs to. He needs game time in order to get back to the level that he uh, once was. And uh, as far as Metcalf, I mean, he's a prospect. He came up through the Vancouver program. He, you know what? He never really found his place on on uh, on the top side. But he was also played out of position. Uh, They kept playing him as a center back, and that's not what he is. It's more of a more for the midfield, right? More midfield. He is a defensive midfielder. Defensive but midfielder, he, but yeah, it's not really a it's not really a position that Sartini uses a lot. So I think they were just trying to you know pigeonhole him in a spot just to see if he could work elsewhere, similar to what they were doing with uh, Nowinski. Unfortunately, with Metcalf, the experiments didn't work. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where Metcalf goes. You know what? He's a guy that I could see maybe drop into the Canadian Premier League. Pick up some game time. I think there's definitely spots uh, in that league and and teams that would give him uh, an honest look. Theo Bear was um, also given an option. He was out on loan with Ham Cam in Norway, yeah. who just uh, won their uh, won their league. Yeah, they got promotion to the Elite Serien, which is the um, biggest um, Norwegian football league. And they were previously in the one division, which mm-hmm. is the second tier. Yeah. And 17 appearances, four goals um, to help them gain promotion. And hopefully we get to see Bear with the Whitecaps and get some more playing time next season. It would be nice. I mean, Bear is a, he, he's a, he's a target man, right? Like he's a big body out there as a striker. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, he's. I mean, whenever he came on for the Whitecaps, he's never really had starts. He kind of comes on and picks off a few minutes here and there, and it's not enough time to actually really get a run going, right? Uh, when you're coming in so late in the game, you're not coming in to score a goal. You're coming in to eat minutes. It's. I mean, I honestly wonder if he is ever going to get uh, a fair shake with the Whitecaps, especially when you've brought in uh, White. There's still a lot of questions about what's uh, going to be going on with Cavallini. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just, I don't know whether or not an, another loan might suit him so that he can actually get uh, consistent playing time or he might, uh, 
in his own camp start looking elsewhere as well. Another loan elsewhere could benefit or might as well just go somewhere else, whether that's in MLS or in Europe. But yeah. the White Cats could potentially use him as a guy to come off the bench as a target man for crosses. But again, Bear, he's a question mark. He's not like a – he won't be a capable – I mean, he has the potential too, but he right now he isn't the capable backup striker that the White Cats need behind White. They need someone yeah. with, with, with with more experience. They and do, Theo, absolutely. Theo Bear doesn't have much experience in the MLS but he has experience overseas, but he's a question mark on whether can he get, can he make the team? Um, can he impress Sartini? Can he not just be a guy that just comes off the bench and eat minutes? So alone elsewhere or a fresh start somewhere else could be more beneficial to him. I think it might be something that would be uh, refreshing for his career too. So white caps, their off season, Continues. Not not a lot of stuff happening, but the MLS Super Draft is coming up within the next few weeks, I believe. It's usually uh, right uh, in uh, the first couple of weeks of January. Oh right yeah, yeah. The, uh, the Generation Adidas Combine, but we also have coming up the Supplemental Draft, the Waiver Draft. We've got a lot of stuff coming up in December. It'd be hey, before you know it, uh, training will be back, and they'll be back in I San know. Diego, and then we'll have another season. Yep. You know. Breathe but and it'll be back. I don't expect them to do a lot of activity this month until like January. That's when the transfer window actually opens. And I'm going to be interested to see who's available in free agency on the waiver draft. Yeah, that, that's anyone too. that they might pick up. I mean, usually teams kind of just let it go, but you know what? There might be a one or two interesting picks there. They, yeah, there could be something interesting there. And hope the season was a last season. Well, last season now it was a quite the ride. And uh, I don't know about you, but I can't wait to get back to BC Place and get uh, see some games. Whether we're in the stands or we're we're in the press box, you never know. But you know what? I just want to see a full season under Sartini. I want to see a full season at BC Place. Yeah, take out a lot of those uncertainties. And I think that the Whitecaps could have a potentially successful year. Yeah, full season under Sartini. Um, that's that's got to be fun. And yeah, it's going to be fun. That's just that's exactly what it will be. And going across the Georgia Strait, Pacific FC have won the Canadian Premier League, and yeah. that they defeated. Uh, well, who was it? Forge. In the Canadian Premier League final, one nothing um, on a goal from Alessandro Ujabarpour in the 59th minute, and the, the guys from Victoria, Pamadou Kaz, former Whitecaps player by the way, Pacific FC, are champions of the of the Premier Canadian Premier League, and one soccer apparently spent more time talking about. Forge's defeat than then Whitecap or that sort then, of uh, Pacific FC's victory. victory. Yeah. Now there's been a lot of talk about why that was. Uh, rumor was is that there was already a lot of celebrations underway in the Pacific FC uh, change room so that uh, cameras just couldn't get there on time. 
which makes I don't sense. know about that, but uh, I mean, you know, on the West Coast, we're kind of used to being ignored within the national media landscape when it comes to sports. So I don't know. This kind of just uh, fueled that fire a little bit. I mean, I didn't get to see it, but it's great for Canadian. I'm not British Columbian soccer, and um, Pacific, hey, Pacific has more trophies than the Whitecaps, but uh, it's, it's just great to see a BC soccer club doing well. And again, support local, and, and uh, the Eastern media likes to like we're we're just their side. People here on the West Coast are their side stuff. And they kind of well, give you an idea about one soccer when Sartini was named head coach, there was barely a mention when, and Jesse they also... Marsh, when Jesse Marsh was just fired by Leipzig. They did an entire segment on yep. whether or not the Whitecaps should hire Marsh. Yep. When we had just hired Sartini weeks before that. Yeah. And I'm like, what, what, what was this? Yeah. <laughs> but again, that's one soccer and Pacific FC. Um, the purple um, player team from Langford, BC, champions of Canada. Well, well deserved. They've they've had a good run in the, the Canadian Premier League. They also made it to the semifinals of the Canadian Championship, but they, they lost to Toronto FC. And we can all remember uh, the game that, against the Whitecaps, which ended up being, uh, being Santos Santos's last, last you know, the game. The interesting thing about Pacific FC is they're starting to get noticed elsewhere. Uh, apparently the open job uh, for the head coach job with uh, Dallas in the MLS, uh, Pamo Duca was actually uh, considered for the job. And apparently he actually went quite far through the recruitment process before they decided to go with someone else. But uh, yeah, uh, Duca is starting to get noticed uh, at higher levels. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not players do as well. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's not only is the league starting to get noticed, but the people within the league are as well, which I I think is a credit to how they've run so far. I think they still have a lot of work to do. Uh, one positive note in the Canadian Premier League in general is it looks like they're going to start to recognize the newly formed players' union which uh, I think will benefit the players of the league because unfortunately with the, the Canadian Premier League, players aren't paid a lot. There, there are players that are retiring from that league at say 24 and 25 because they simply can't afford to play in that league. Uh, I think having a players union will allow them to uh, have a lot more clout when it comes to bargaining with the league. So I'm happy that the league has finally decided to, to recognize them because that was a long fight in its own right. Totally. It would really benefit the players to get a union. And it's great that they're getting more, no not just Pacific, but the league in general is getting more noticed by MLS and other leagues. And it's great for recruitment for, of new players for, for certain clubs. And apparently there's a Canadian, new Canadian Women's League, the Women's Pro Soccer League. They announced four teams in Canada. They and, did in a very uh, obscure and odd way. We had a, a teaser trailer that popped up on Twitter, or at least we had a, a note that there was going to be an announcement up to two days before the announcement. 
All the announcement did is it gave us clips of Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto, and Montreal, and then said coming soon. There's no text. There is no press release. There is no information whatsoever. So while a lot of people's initial reaction was, hey, this is great. Mine too. breathed and then went, what is this? Yeah, after a while, you're like, what? What? What is this supposed to be? Yeah. So... Stephanie Labe, the Canadian women's national team goaltender. And goalkeeper um, for uh, PSG. And, yep, and goalkeeper for PSG. Um, said, tweeted, imagine asking any of the players in this video to come home to Canada to play in a league, which is only two and a half months long season, semi-pro, second tier, and le- a level below the North, um, the NWSL. The NWSL, yeah. North American Women's Soccer League. It has its place, but this is not what we're fighting for. So we have the NWSL, and soon we have League One BC, which will also have w- women's teams. Yeah. So what was the point of this? It's semi-pro. It's a tier you know below. What? And I'm still NWSL. waiting to see that it actually is semi-pro because the the WPSL has existed for quite a long time in the states. In the states, they actually have a whole bunch of different divisions and about a hundred over 130 teams within those divisions. They have had a uh, Canadian team in Vancouver before, but they're listed as an amateur league. They're not listed as semi-pro. So is, is this thing in Canada a separate league? Is it simply another division within the greater WPSL? I have no idea what this is. This is, I, I equate it to this. Someone tells me a brand new movie is coming out and they say, wait soon, we're going to tell you what it is. And then I wait. And instead of giving me the trailer for the movie, they tell me what theaters it's going to be in. Yeah. That's right. Like that. And I'm still saying, great. I don't know right. what you are. Well, what, what's the movie? Right. And yeah, yeah, I'm seeing the video now. It's just a teaser, but just the cities and WPSL, we're coming. Not much. Not much to be taken away from yeah. there. Maybe they'll you know put what? out another. I've... Having more exposure, having more women's teams is a good thing, but it's a pro league. What people have been asking for is a professional league, whether that is a domestic league throughout Canada or whether that is Canadian teams in the W or that in the NWSL in the States. At this point, either one, I think would be oh, welcomed with open arms. But, but this... It's so egg. Yeah, it, it's very anticlimactic for me. It's like, uh, could you imagine the Canucks doing this? Like, oh, um, uh, you can't wait to see who we hired as the new coach. And it just shows um, nothing. It just shows uh, a silhouette of a guy in a suit. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's what, <laughs> that's what it, it's like. And then behind the bench is just a guy wearing a, a black sheet. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully we get more information from this soon but we're going to go into an ad break then we'll talk about the Premier League and Europe and um, have some more stuff um, on the way so stick around want to start your own podcast about sports or whatever great unsure how to get started no problem that's what Buzzsprout is for the Abbott Discussers podcast uses Buzzsprout it's quick and easy and myself and thousands of other podcasters around the world use Buzzsprout you'll get an awesome looking website Plus, your show will be out on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, and all other platforms. You'll also get ways to promote the show. 
detailed analytics and stats and a whole lot more. But that's not all. If you sign up with a paid plan for Buzzsprout, you'll get a $20 Amazon gift card and it would also help support this show. It's easy. Just follow the link in the show notes. Buzzsprout makes podcasting fun and easy. And start your own today. Hey, do you want to win some cash? Do you love sports betting? Then Bet99 is the place for you. It is a Canadian online betting website and app that allows you to bet on football matches or matches of any other sport. It also has an online casino. Bet99 is the official betting sponsor for the Terminal City FC podcast and the Area 51 Sports Network. Go to the Area 51 website, click betting, and sign up for a welcome offer of a 100% match up to your initial deposit of $600, as well as boosted odds for the teams that you care about the most. Bet99.com is Canada's premier place for sports betting and online casino games. Must be 19 plus to play, and please play responsibly. All right. All right, welcome back. Thank you to Bet99, Buzzsprout, and all the sponsors, part of the Area 51 Sports Network. Thank you to all of you. Okay, so it's been uh, quite the week for Chelsea. And they have been riddled by the injury bug and COVID. Because Mateo Kovacic tested positive for COVID-19. So last week, they went to Vicarage Road to take on Watford. Didn't look the best defensively. They were really getting making Watford get some high-danger chances. But Mendy was there to the rescue. And Mason Mount and Hakim Ziyech scored the two goals to help Chelsea get the win. And Watford had more shots than, than Chelsea in that game. And possession was pretty much even. But more, more importantly, um, a fan, just like what happened to Tottenham about a month ago, a fan in the stands... Had, an, had a cardiac arrest and they stopped the game and that fan was in hospital. He is recovering, which is good to, to see. But we, again, you never like to see this happen in the game of football. And it's been happening quite a bit, especially with Christian Eriksen at the Euros and that fan against Tottenham. I mean, just goes to show that anyone can get kind of stuff can happen to anyone and good on the first responders to helping the fan out. And it's good to see that the fan is doing well and recovering. But then a London Derby came up at the Olympic stadium in East London to take on West Ham. And West Ham has always been an opponent that can get on the thorn of the side of Chelsea. And it was a rare Chelsea loss. Thiago Silva got one off the corner early, but a penalty from Lanzini tied it. Mason Mount scored from an incredible volley from Hakim Ziyech. Just a great pass. But then there was a mistake from Mendy and Jorginho. They got their signals crossed. Jorginho tried to pass it back. Mendy fumbled with the ball, tried to pass, but it went back to Jared Bowen, who scored. Side of the game, and then Chelsea lost it in the 87th minute when Arthur Musaku scored a banger. 
many went off many's hands and in. So um, not a very good, again, not a very good defensive performance from Chelsea. Lukaku and Pulisic were subbed on on the dying minutes, but they couldn't really get anything done. And Chelsea fall to third in the Premier League table with Manchester City in first and Liverpool in second. Oh, and by the way, West Ham is in fourth. Just five points back, but they're in fourth and two points ahead of Tottenham. So you got to be weary of them. They're actually much better than you think. And despite having the most possession, West Ham made most of their chances. And they really shut down the Chelsea forwards near the end of the game. And then Champions League. And this is where the injuries really, really started to, to hurt. No Chilwell, no Conte, no Jorginho, uh, no Ruben lost his cheek. Um, apparently out with some kind of um, some minor injury, but but still. And it just really shows the show that death is important. And essentially, Chelsea didn't really have a midfield other than Saul, Barkley, and Mount, who's, of course, more of an attacking player. Reese James had to be played in the midfield, and Callum Hudson-Odoi played at wing back. Andreas Christensen looked like the Andreas Christensen under Frank Lampard. So many defensive mistakes. Same with Malang Sar. Signed him for free. Isn't really going to amount to anything too much, but... He made a lot of defensive mistakes too. And I am sick and tired of Ross Barkley. He doesn't do much. He, he's basically Marcus Alonso, but in the midfield. Keeps losing the ball, doesn't create anything. I don't care what they do with him. Just loan him out, sell him. Just, I don't want him on the team in January. I am sick of Ross Barkley. And same with Saul too. He's been pretty much useless since he came to Chelsea. Hasn't really fit into Tuchel's system. And I wouldn't mind if they sent him back to Atletico in January either. And this goes to show that Chelsea need another defensive midfielder, like a Declan Rice, and another center back, like a Jules Koundé, who was very close to joining Chelsea on deadline day. But Abramovich and Sevilla's sporting director got into a, into a fight, apparently. Uh, whether that was physical or verbal, I don't know. But they got into a fight. And Kunde apparently wasn't happy that he wasn't able to come to Chelsea. Kepa Ariza Balaga started in goal. I guess Mendy needed some rest to regain his confidence. Some people are saying, oh, maybe it's because people in the press keep mistaking Edward Mendy for Benjamin Mendy, who uh, is doing court within the next few months with accounts of sexual assault and rape. Two different people, two different positions. And Edward Mendy obviously wasn't very happy about it. And I won't be surprised if that hurt his confidence either. But Kepa, despite he should have had the third goal, went off his hands, but he made some great saves to keep Chelsea in it. The two best players were Timo. Well, the best player on the pitch was Timo Werner. Running, creating space, got two goals, assisted on Lukaku's goal. Shows that he can. he's also a pretty good playmaker too. But... The defense in the midfield looks so disoriented and lost. 
And Chelsea were on the verge of finishing first in the group, but Zenit scored in the dying minutes of stoppage time to tie the game. And Chelsea still go through in the Champions League for the knockouts, but they finish second and will face Bayern Munich, Ajax, uh, Lille. Um, I forgot the other one, but it's... Uh, can't remember who who their last um, round of sixteen opponents um, will be. It's uh, let's just look it up here. Obviously, cannot face his side. Um, yeah, Real oh, Real Madrid. Yeah, so it's Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Lille, or Ajax. Hey, Chelsea could face one of. It's a two and four chance of Chelsea facing a Canadian in the Champions League. So that's going to be interesting. But the injuries, Chilwell is really missed as a left wing back. And that's also a priority come January in the transfer window. He is sorely missed because Marcus Alonso can't get it done. Uh, Conte um, and Jorginho, they're vital to this team. And the midfield didn't look organized without them. And hope Kovacic recovers from, I mean, hope it isn't too serious with, with COVID for him, but he's also a pretty underrated midfielder that can get things that helps the midfield get organized. So again, it's death. I mean, Chelsea have the death, but they're really being decimated by the injuries. And it goes to show that this team needs a bit more just to to get over the hump. And it's good to see Lukaku scoring again after recovering from his injury and to get his confidence back too. Apparently he deleted his Twitter account a few weeks ago. Really? Yeah. His Instagram account is still up. I still follow him there, but his Twitter account is gone. Oh, I guess it makes sense. But people were replying with, Oh, Lukaku, you're, you're terrible. Oh, Lukaku. Oh, you're a money. Oh, you, you only came to Chelsea for the money. Oh, your first touch sucks. Oh, you're Mark Henry. Yeah, those people. But I don't, I, I can't blame him for deleting his Twitter. No. But, oh, but it's got a, he's got to freshen his mind up. And he's, he's dealt with abuse online and on the pitch, um, like racial abuse throughout his career. Throughout his career. And throughout his life, too. Like, even before he started playing football professionally back in Belgium, he apparently dealt with racial abuse. So, I can't blame him for that. And Chelsea have Leeds United this Saturday at Stamford Bridge. And then they got Everton also at Stamford Bridge on Thursday. So, injuries have been um, hurting Chelsea. It were, It's kind of a bump here down the road. But... Jorginho's injury, he think he should be back for the next game. Conte, hopefully. Uh, Ruben Loftus' cheek injury is minor. <clears throat> and hopefully they actually have a midfield next game. And for Werner and Lukaku, hope they start scoring again. Yeah. Well, you know what? It was uh, interesting to see that uh, Werner was uh, your best player on the pitch in the last one. That's it. How many times have you, have you been able to say that with Chelsea? Not a lot. But... Again, I, I'm not. I'm one of not one of those people who say, "Oh, I, we should sell Timo Werner after last season," because I know he yeah. 
he has the power to score goals, but he can do more than just score goals. And we, we've seen that against Zenit. He was passing the ball. He was creating chances. He assisted on Lukaku's goal. He is more than just a goal scorer. No, he absolutely is, especially when he plays a little bit deeper or out on the wings. Yeah. Uh, wing, uh, he, he did really well on the wing with RB Leipzig. And mm-hmm. we're starting to see that RB Leipzig, Timo Werner again. And I'm just hoping that more goals come for him. Then he can finally silence the doubters. Hey, we would have not won the Champions League without him. And he scored in the semifinal against Real Madrid. I don't know if we would have gone through without without that goal. Yeah, that's true. And, and you know Tottenham, what? you talk about the injuries that you have uh, going through uh, Chelsea right now. Tottenham's I, going I through a COVID. It, Tottenham is not much better right now. Well, they started okay. last weekend uh, with uh, Norwich City. Norwich City right now is uh, not looking too good. They are relegation candidates. And uh, Tottenham went in and they didn't play their best game. But they're starting to show that they're more than just beating teams one nothing. They won three nothing against Norwich City. It was a fairly professional job, and it started off with an absolute stunning, brilliant goal from Lucas Mora from outside of the 18-yard box. Uh, Davidson Sanchez, I believe, picked up his first ever goal as a Tottenham player. Uh, definitely not known to be a goal scorer since he plays uh, as part of the, the back end. But uh, it was nice. It was nice to finally see. Pieces for Tottenham come together. Um, Conte said after the game that, uh, you know, this is by no means where he expects the team to be. There still is a lot of hard work that needs to be done. Kane still needs to get firing. He had chances. He had uh, two very, very good chances throughout this game. But just, you know, I don't know if it's just enough confidence there or he just comes up against uh, goalkeepers that, when he has the ball, they recognize who that is and just put in that little extra effort. But he is still struggling in front of the net. Uh, one of the running jokes uh, that was coming out of the Tottenham camp uh, on Twitter over this past week was Davidson Sanchez now has the same number of goals as Harry Kane in the Premier League this season. Another so, running joke that has been coming out is Kane's trying to lower his transfer value. Well, the next summer. there's that too, right? Uh, they are trying to convince Kane to stay past the January deadline. We'll see. I don't see him I leaving think, in January, though. I don't I see him leaving, leaving in January, summer. but I think Tottenham is going to be very, very active in looking for not just a backup for Kane, a replacement. I, I, I think the time has come that it might just benefit both sides. I mean, Kane hasn't looked like himself all season. No, he hasn't. Uh, and but the funny thing is, is he goes and plays for England, and he scores. He, he's back who to who he normally is, right? To give you an idea of how much Kane is suffering, he had the lowest number of touches out of any player on that pitch, including the goalkeepers. The goalkeepers had more yeah. touches of the ball than Kane did. Now, whether that is Damn. a question of service, it shouldn't be. He's still got Lucas Moore feeding him. He's still got Sun feeding him. You know, he still drops back when he feels he needs to. But it's just uh, the the conversion. The conversion on, in the final third in the box is just not working for him. But right now, that's not the story of Tottenham this week. The story of Tottenham is COVID, unfortunately. COVID has yep. unfortunately ripped through that squad. Uh, right now, we're up to about eight players, eight first-team players with uh, with COVID and up to five of the coaching staff. 
Now, what this has done is this has created an absolute debacle when it comes to Europa Conference League. And it's now it's, uh, you know what, if you've been following this over the last few days and even until today, it's become an absolute comedy. Wrens, who Tottenham was supposed to be playing today at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, has said that they were never consulted and they were never uh, given notice by UEFA. So they showed up to play the game. Even though UEFA has said publicly this game is cancelled. This has led Rens to to accusing uh, Tottenham of unsportsmanlike uh, play for not playing the game. When Tottenham can't, they literally do not have enough players by UEFA rules to play this game. This has also led to VATS, one of the other teams in Tottenham's group uh, in Europa Conference, to ask for their game to be postponed because they said if the Rennes-Tottenham game is postponed, that gives them an unfair advantage over our game because we could still overtake Tottenham in the standing. So we want our game postponed. Well, that didn't happen. They're still playing. And now they are uh, claiming uh, unfair advantage. Now, I don't, re- I don't think a team having eight cases of COVID in their starting lineup could be called an unfair advantage. Some team actually found a way to do it. So yeah. it's, it's mind-boggling as to what this has led to. Now, just a mess. another thing that has just come through in the past 20 minutes is Tottenham's game for against Brighton. Against right. Brighton has now been officially cancelled. Yeah. And there is rumored that Tottenham is actually looking to have all of their games in the Premier League cancelled, at least up and until the transfer window. Oh, wow. I don't think that'll happen, but, but right if, now... If right they get more positive cases, for sure. Well, and that's the problem is is they have had an increasing number of cases for the past three days in a row. So right now we're just hoping that this is the top of it and that we're going to start to see uh, uh, people get healthy. The The first team training center in Tottenham has been completely shut down. Yep, shut down. There is no training whatsoever going on in Tottenham camp. Uh, people are in quarantine, whether you have COVID or not, because people that have been found it, negative one day have been found positive, positive the next, next day. day so right now uh i hate to say it but right now i'm talking it's just wait and see Jeez. the only positive note going on with tottenham right now and i guess we had the win and that win has moved them up to fifth spot on the table only two points behind west ham and a game in hand because they still have the game they didn't play that got snowed out uh, uh a couple of weeks ago so there, there are positives when you look at that. The one positive is uh, a potential new contract with Hugo Lloris. Uh, Lloris's contract with Spurs is up at the end of the year. Uh, I believe right now he's the longest serving first team player. And we're talking about one of, one of the better goalkeepers in the world over the longevity of his career. We're talking about a guy who captained a World Cup winning team. Uh, a guy who's captained, I believe, a Euro, uh, a Euro winning team as well. So, I mean, this is uh, a goalkeeper that still has a few years left in him. Uh, it sounds like both sides want to deal. It's just a matter of working on the numbers a little bit. So, you know what? Right now, I'm trying to take positives wherever I can find them. That might be one of them. But, uh, yeah, we. Uh, if you want to ask me when Tottenham's next game is going to be, 
I can't tell you. Right don't now. know. Yeah, I don't even know. Like, hope um they they get healthy again because COVID's still around. We're still in a pandemic. And the and, one thing is, is you look at how uh, hard uh, the UK is being hit with this new variant. Uh, yeah, that's what I was, uh, was about to ask. Like, could it be possible they're being hit by this new variant? Unfortunately, uh, I don't know. Well, we I do, don't yeah. know what they've been hit with. Uh, but, I mean, it doesn't matter what variant you have. It's no joke. So uh, I'm wishing everyone all the best. Take the, take the time you need. And I, I hope that they're given the time by UEFA and by the Premier League to get everyone healthy and completely COVID-free before they get back to training and then back into games. Because even just having one person possibly still having it could just, you know, rip right through the squad all over again. Yeah, it's good. Back to Chelsea, that uh, Kovacic um, tested positive, but apparently didn't, isn't showing any symptoms, but the club didn't allow him to come to St. Petersburg for obvious reasons. Good. Yeah. And apparently uh, the other uh, is Leicester is having a, a bit of a problem with it as well. Uh, I think they've got a, a number of players. And uh, another news around the Premier League, Everton's director of football, Marcel Brands, leaves. And Gaki, that gives manager Rafa Benitez more control, more autonomy. Throwing things yeah, around. apparently it's going to, he says that uh, he feels a little bit freer. It's going to give him uh, the opportunity to pick the players he wants come the January transfer window. Uh, it looks like the owners of Everton have thrown their full weight behind support uh, for Benitez. So uh, it sounds like Benitez's job is secure, at least until the end of January. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what he does, if he's able to bring in any pieces to, to bolster his squad. But, uh, I mean, you look at all the managers that have uh, fallen by the wayside this year in the Premier League. I mean, I think if Benitez had lost his job, that would have been half of the teams. Yeah. I expected uh, Everton to do better this year. They're 12. A lot of people expected Everton to do better this year. I think a lot of people expected Everton uh, to be West Ham this year. Yeah, I expected them to be like them and Leicester to be where West Ham are. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they're having a little ah. bit of a, a little bit of issues. Uh, it does look like uh, they are now the front runners for Aaron Ramsey. Yep. They apparently make contact. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see uh, whether or not he decides to uh, to leave his team in Italy and uh, move back to the back to England to play for the other team in Liverpool, Everton. Yeah, they beat Arsenal two one in their last game, but they lost to Merseyside derby four one. And Rafa Benitez, there's this fear. Some people are saying, you know, because Rafa Benitez used to coach Liverpool, he, and he, he was, was the coach successful. that led them to the 2005 Champions League, which, by the way, the 2005 Champions League final, to me, is the greatest Champions League final of all time. Sure, I want to mm-hmm. say 2012, but 2005 had everything. I was only five years old, but just watching the highlights of it. It was a spectacle. It was an spectacle. absolute spectacle. Liverpool came back from three nil down. To win on penalties. Yeah. And that's what made Steven Gerrard a legend. Yeah. I, I mean, he was going to be a legend of Liverpool in his own right, given the uh, number of games he played and being captain of that team. But you have those kind of seminal moments where everything galvanizes around a, a particular individual and they become, you know, your, your general that you follow in the battle. And, you know, that, that solidified it for him. And then Liverpool followed him. Every game after that. There's this theory that Rafa Benitez is doing this on purpose. 
Uh, he's still uh, <laughs> it's stupid but there's this there's a YouTube video um by a guy named sir steve timothy an irish guy who's an everton fan he plays this character called farmer michael which is supposed to be like like a typical irish uncle who's sexist racist homophobic that it's basically the uncle that you dread seeing on like christmas and thanksgiving but Drunkle. more irish but he made a video called Benita- Benitez at Everton is the biggest inside job since 9-11. Oh because, he used to co- because he used to coach Liverpool, Kathleen. It's, it's hilarious. Like, he, make, he doesn't just make videos on Everton, but he just makes videos on, like, literally anything. Like, anything that's Using happening in the world. Like, what a, like, I didn't even know he was playing a character until two years ago. I thought that was that, how he was actually like. But it's a really funny character. I, you know what? Benitez to me is a guy that just he comes in for the job, right? Like yeah. he doesn't necessarily have an allegiance to a particular team. He comes in where there is work, and then he does a job, right? Maybe, and if they have to fire him, so be it. They'll yeah. find work I mean, somewhere else. I look at Benitez, and I th- I think of like the North American sports scene, where yeah. you know, Same. like I look at say like hockey, and my team with the Oilers have an absolute rivalry with Calgary. They still trade players. They still have, you know, you know, people move back and forth. We, that's just the way we understand sports here. It's very different than in Europe. Europe where allegiance Uh, is someone like, like Benitez would be looked at as a mercenary almost, but I don't know. To me, that's just the way, that's that's the way he's a a businessman first. Yeah. That's exactly what he is. Same with Jose Mourinho. Yeah. And you know what? I got no problem with that. Me neither. If they can do the job. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a different mentality and they, they recognize it's a business and it is. Of course, there are many managers like who wouldn't even dare like join a rival team. Like Zinedine Zidane would never coach Barcelona. For no, example. well, uh, would never coach Barcelona because of his years playing for Espanol, right? I mean, there are, there are managers that are, have that. And a lot of those managers, I think are former players as well. So they yeah, have so that the allegiance. Yeah. And like. Frank Lampard would never coach Arsenal or Tottenham, for example. No, another example. no not a chance. Like, right? he, he's a Chelsea man through and through. Yeah. And the FA Cup draw. Tottenham's taking on Morecambe, and Chelsea's taking on Chesterfield. And I want Chelsea to win, actually win the FA Cup this year. Yeah, I, I know it doesn't mean much a uh, tin pot trophy, some of you might say, but they lost the last two finals. You know what? The FA Cup is, yeah, I know the, the whole tin pot analogy, but you know what? I guess if anything, it's not as tin pot as the League Cup, right? Yeah, the League Cup is. I mean, uh, the League Cup has been. On, yeah. And it's on been the dominated by Man City. Five years on whether or not it's even going to exist. So, you know I what? Mean, uh, right now, I mean, I'm Tottenham, so I'll take whatever, whatever silverware it's a trophy. I can get. But, like a, to me, yeah. a trophy is a trophy, no matter exactly. how small. Right? And. I really wanted, I mean, last year's FA Cup final hurt, but Leicester really deserved it because they were the better team. But the year before that hurt even more because it was against Arsenal and Anthony Taylor was the ref. And I really wanted Frank Lampard to get his first trophy as manager. Unfortunately, he didn't get any. No. But after Pulisic scored, I thought maybe, maybe despite the transfer ban, we get a trophy, but Arsenal came back in the second half. Anthony Taylor kind of had a role to play in that. And Arsenal won their 14th FA Cup, but Leicester deserved it last year. Though Chilwell, I thought Chilwell tied the game, but 
VAR said he was offside. And I want Chelsea to win the FA Cup. I want them to win every trophy, to be honest. So just win trophies. That's that's the goal of Chelsea. Whether that's well, that should league, be the goal with anyone, right? I mean, this is a team sport. You want the you want your players to win as a team. And if they can move up and start to win anything, it just galvanizes you and moves you on to try and win the next higher level, the next higher level. And yeah, I just it's it's all about winning trophies at Chelsea or pretty much at any big club. Yeah. So the, Chelsea should be Chesterfield and Tottenham should be Morecambe. Should be. Should be, but you never should know be. with these 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 kind these um cups always have been known for upsets. You know what? For me, that's the romance of the FA Cup is that you can have these lower league teams absolutely slay some giants. And giving uh, I think, I think going uh, back to the years ago when Lincoln yeah. Lincoln, uh, yeah. Came out and uh, you know, they took out, I can't remember. I think they took out three Premier League teams by themselves before, before they finally went out in, what, the quarterfinals or something like that? It was unbelievable. And in 2013, Wigan Athletic beat Manchester City. And got relegated. <laughs> the FA Cup. They got relegated, but they beat Manchester City in the FA Cup final. And they, yeah, yeah so but that they, was and, monumental. And weirdly enough, in the next year, they became a team playing in the championship, also playing in the Europa League. Yep. And that, and that Manchester City team was also pretty good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Manchester has never had bad teams. They've just had different levels of good. <laughs> yeah. So the FA Cup is always has the power of upsets. And but it wouldn't be good for Chelsea or Tottenham to lose Chesterfield or Morecambe. No. Or Morecambe or however you pronounce it. I think it's Morecambe. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so Andy from the Caspies Wins podcast and fellow long loyal listener to my show, back to the Avid Discussers days, asked us to put our top 10 lists for footballers under the age of 25. Now, outside of the first two, this is hard because yeah. there are so many different positions. You could you could rely on eye test. You could rely on stats, personal preference. I mean, for me, it's most on. It's a combination of the three. Mostly it was a eye combination test. for me as well. But this is tough because positions are different. Like it's like there's defenders, there's goalkeepers, forwards, midfielders. It is really, really tough. We've tweeted it last night. My list, going from 10, Alfonso Davies of Bayern in Canada. 9, Jude Bellingham of Borussia Dortmund in England. 8, Mason Mount of Chelsea in England. 7, Ansu Fati of Barcelona in Spain. 6, Vinicius Jr. of Real Madrid in Brazil. 5, Jadon Sancho of Manchester United in England. 4, Gianluigi Donnarumma of PSG in Italy. 3, Phil Foden of Manchester City in England. 2, Erling Holland of Borussia Dortmund in Norway, and one, no surprise, Kylian Mbappe of Paris Saint-Germain and France. And my list was quite similar in terms of the players on the list. Uh, just some of the order was a little The rankings different. were different, which we yeah. can debate after. Yeah, so I started off at number 10 with uh, Dusan Lahovic of uh, Fiorentina. At nine, I had Gian uh, Luigi Don Madura of PSG. 
eight, we had uh, Canada's own Alfonso Davies of Bayern Munich. At seven, I had Phil Felden of Manchester City. At six, I had Anzu Fati of Barcelona. At five, I had Jude Bellingham of Borussia Dortmund. At four, I had Mason Mount of Chelsea. At three, I had Vinicius Jr. of Real Madrid. At two, I had uh, Holland, Borussia Dortmund, and number one, Kylian Mbappe, PSG. So, so outside one, of two, the top you two, are the same. it's more, more or less the same in terms of, of names, but in terms of rankings, like th- this could be debated for hours. I know, and I, 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 it, it becomes uh, semantical almost at, uh, at times. I thought the one thing that was interesting and it's one that I debated because you actually had your list come out first. Uh, and then I, I, I took a look at yours afterwards is I debated Jaden Sancho. Same. I debated if I even wanted him on my list. But for me, I think the struggles of this year is, I mean, he's a runner up on my list to be sure, along with a few others that I could probably uh, rattle off and could deserve a place on this list. But I just couldn't make the argument, which, which is fair because he has been a disappointment for Man United. Yeah, but no. I also took look at terms of potential, and Sancho has a lot of potential. He does to be a very world class player. That's why I put him at number five. You know what? And for me, what I did is I took a look at the old sports analogy of what have you done for me lately? Yeah, right? I I put and a combination if you're not doing of, anything now. I, I have a hard time putting you on that list, right? Right. And I put Phil Foden at number three. Yeah. Because ever well, since I had he, him uh, significantly lower, actually, at seven. Because ever since he came in, he's been just really good. And uh, he's an incredible playmaker. He's only going to get better. He's going to potentially has the, the potential. No, he has the potential to be the best player in the Premier League, uh, bar- barring other transfers that can come in so that's why i put him really high and i know people would say oh josh you're a chelsea fan i thought you were gonna put mount at number one no i'm not that biased but i had mount higher because i find for his position in the midfield his passing is yeah. much better he's a lot more creative and i mean simply he just he creates more he creates more chances he exactly more. i wanted to put him higher but um for me, again it's objectivity i'm not a chelsea fan but for me that justified mount at number four on my list i still think foden is the better player but i think time could tell that i he absolutely could become again i'd say for right now he's not right yeah because mount and foden are both very similar like midfielders playmakers yeah but and you know what a lot of it could be is just the fact that Foden isn't getting the minutes that Mount is getting. Yeah, because right? he he's being monitored by uh, uh, by Man City on you know like having his minutes kind of tempered a little bit. And I know there was a lot of people in the Man City uh, Man City fans that were kind of angry at that for a while, saying, "Why are you not playing Foden? Like, Why are you not playing Foden? You know, he's he's our best young guy." And um, you know, well, now he's been uh, Guardiola came out saying he's a young kid. Give him time, right? He, yes, he is a brilliant player, but players that are brilliant still need to develop. Now, that might be the better path to go in the long run. Time will tell, but it's it's interesting to see two players of similar quality having different developmental paths slightly. 
And then we got two guys from the from La Liga, Vinicius Jr. and Ansu Fati. Uh, Vinicius is higher than Fati on my list because I think Vinicius is more creative playmaker. Well, Fati is more more of a like he can score goals, but I just like creativity and playmaking. Yeah. And Vinicius, I have Vinicius is, higher than Fati on my list as well. Actually, I think you and I, Fati, we both kind of have almost around. The yeah, same we're like at sixth. No, I have seven for me. Yeah, you have seventh, I I have sixth. I have Vinicius higher just because I see him being the answer to uh, to Benzema. Yes. I see this now as the natural transition to Benzema, and Vinicius has stepped up without missing a beat. He knows exactly what his position is. He doesn't try to do anything else. He is an out-and-out goal scorer, and he does it. But both Vinicius Jr. and Fatty have had issues with consistency yeah. over the past year. But when but when they're good, they're they're pretty good. So the La Liga isn't it's like it's in ruins now, but there's hope with these two young stars. There's hope. Uh we hope that uh I would be interested to see what happens with Fatty and Barcelona. Barcelona just being eliminated from and Champions. they're playing in the Europa League for the first time in 2004. You know, there's there's people already starting to put the nails in the coffin for Barcelona. I think that's a little bit early. You know, things will happen, but uh, yeah, uh, Fatty is uh, is something you can definitely build a team. Around. Yeah, like if you're a Barcelona fan, Fatty is yeah um, someone to be excited about. And the goalkeeper on our list, Gianluigi Donnarumma, already a <laughs> Euro uh, European champion with Italy, and he signed for PSG for free. Yeah. Zero Zlitch, which is Zada. unheard of. Well, the goalkeeper of his age, only 22, and has so much potential. I put him at number four because yeah. he's just an incredible goalkeeper. Very athletic. I had him at number nine. And you know what? Um, I think it is, I think where I put him, it may be construed as a little bit unfair. Uh, he's a goalkeeper. The, yeah, the reason I put him there is because in terms of goalkeepers. I don't see a lot of competition uh, for that position for his age. I looked at like Elvin LaFonce. I looked at Messier. You know, there are a few others, but really there's just no one else to put on the list. I just put him so high because his value is just going up and he's only just going to get better. And I just love watching him make saves. Yeah. That's why I put him so high. And oh, we haven't talked about our golden boy, Alfonso Davies. I put him 10th. On the list, I had him at eight. I mean, um, Davies for Bayern, he's an interesting because for Bayern, he's a left back, but for Canada, he's more in the midfield. The thing is, is with Bayern, yes, he is a left back, but he has uh, some oh. of the most kilometers covered per game because he is running the entire length of the left side of that pitch, right? Like, he was like, like. He was just like in that last game. He was just running down, like almost, yeah, almost I mean, through a penalty. He plays like he plays like a wing back for them. He allows them to really carry the ball up the left side. Uh, he had a great assist in in uh, their game that they just had in the Champions League. Uh, and the thing is, is there's been weird talk uh, about Davies possibly being moved. Uh, not not out not out of Bayern Munich, but within the Bayern Munich team. When, if, and when Lewandowski leaves, hmm. the thing Wait. is with with uh, with Davies is his versatility. Yeah, and we know that he can play 
any position. Any on position. The left Midfield. Side of that pitch. He has left played back. striker for Canada before. Yeah. He has played in the center as an attacking midfielder. For the White Cats, too, he has. I mean, the thing is with, uh, with Davies is you can almost put him anywhere on the pitch and he will adapt. And that's why I moved him a little bit higher. Yeah, defenders don't usually get, uh, you know, all the plaudits because when they do, when a defender does their job well, you're not supposed to notice it, right? Right. And, like, people look at, like, defenders and goalkeepers like, oh, they they don't really provide offense. Oh, they're, they're, they're just mostly trying to keep the, the ball out of the net, especially defenders. But Davies actually provides offense. He got an assist in his last game, yeah. and he can create plays. And he can provide space. Like with his speed, he has also has the vision to see someone. Oh, like Le- there's Lewandowski down the middle. I'll just cross it to him. And the thing is, is he draws so many opposing players towards him. He is the guy that they want to mark, and they sometimes they want to double mark him, which leaves other players exposed and allows him to make those plays to do get the ball to those exposed players. I mean, I kind of feel guilty for putting him at ten, but at least he made the list. But yeah. there's so much young talent under 25 in Europe. And I believe the, the guys above him have a higher potential. It's not like I'm saying Davies doesn't have a high potential. His potential is still pretty high. But He's all these guys on our player, list. But so is everyone else on this list. Like all these people on our list have high potentials. Oh, we haven't talked about Jude Bellingham. English um, midfielder playing only 19. Playing for yep. Borussia Dortmund. Has a bit of a mouth on him that we found out this week. Um, we've got a reply saying from Seth Lopecki four says reason already Jude Bellingham will be top three by the end of the season, which is fair. You know what? I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that too, which is fair because he's a baller. I think I had him, I had him listed at five, five I had him at nine, nine. Yeah. I, I see, I see Jude Bellingham as, uh, well, first of all, he came in and he's doing uh, the job with, uh, with Dortmund that Sancho was doing. Yeah. Um, now, whether or not Jubilium can leave Germany and do that elsewhere, we know Sancho's had struggles. I don't know. That's, that's I don't know. Not, uh, I don't see I can answer right now. I don't but see Bell- right now. Bellingham is the guy. Like watching him play for England at the Euros, making some great passes. Um, like he's really um, can find find players open, uh, make some good runs too, and pretty good dribbler. Same with. Same watching him with Dortmund too. Yeah. Oh, I mistook his age. He's actually 18, not 19. So he's um still got a lot of potential. He's got a very high ceiling. Like uh, the sky is the limit uh, for this kid. Yeah. So here's the one thing. We already talked about uh Sancho, who you had on your list, but I didn't. The one that I had on my list that you didn't was uh Duzan Vlahovic. What do you think? Yeah, I mean that's fair. I wanted to put him there. Um, but the thing is, I just haven't seen a lot of them. The thing is, is, and I struggle with it again because he right now, he's the golden boy for the moment, for the moment. Right now, the thing is, is he struggled very early in his career. And then last year, things started to fall into place and he absolutely exploded. And he's carried that on to this year. Like the amount of uh, goals and gold chances that he is creating for others in the team is astronomical. And he's got, I mean, you name it. Tottenham was interested in him in the off season uh, before this season started. And I think that they may have missed the boat 
because now everyone is talking about him. And, uh, it, and I, I mean, it just took I, a while for it for him to like get noticed but yeah but right now he i he's the guy he's gonna he's gonna pick up a, a massive transfer fee he's gonna pick up a massive contract to move either in january or uh, in the off season i i, don't I see, see in the off season. i don't see him leaving in january either and he didn't put pedri on this list both of us didn't i know um the the uh copa trophy winner like also guy was potential also a very uh dynamic Dynamic player, um, great central midfielder, but I mean, again, the talent on this list is like stacked. The other guy I looked, I was looking at too, and uh, as a defender was with Inter Milan and uh, Alessandro Bastoni. Yep, him too. You know, I, uh, I I I considered it, but again, as a as a defender, I want to put them on because I love watching the defensive game, but it was, it was tough when you look at some of the, the absolute creative uh, uh, ability of the other players on this list. And of course the top two, no brainers, no Mbappe and Holland. Um, no one is um, I don't, like those two are in a league of their own. Those two will be competing for the Ballon d'Or once Messi and Ronaldo retire. Um. Just um, two of the best players in the world already, and they're they're already household names. But they're going to be. Do you think bigger. Mbappe stays with PSG? No, no, I don't think he stays with PSG. I know they're really desperately trying to uh, to keep him, them, but there seems to be a little a bit of a conflict going through the PSG camp. Yeah, apparently Maybe Messi is not happy with uh, Potacano. Mbappe uh, isn't either. Yeah. And so, a lot of people hate their sporting director, Leonardo. Yeah. He's a very, he's quite the character. Like a lot of people have <laughs> feuds with him. And that was part of the reason why Tuchel was fired with PSG is because of the, because he had a feud with Leonardo for transfers. So I guess, and of course we all know Tuchel is doing fine. Oh yeah. And he, he's going to have a career for as long as he decides he wants a career. I don't think Mbappe stays at PSG. I think he's just going. He's going to Real Madrid, without a doubt. Yeah. It's his childhood what do you dream. Think? Should we take a look at the rest of the questions we have? Yeah, um, well, we got some questions before we wrap up. Our boss Sean Warren he asks, "How high are expectations around the Canadian national teams?" <laughs> right now, they're very high. They're pretty high. I mean, we the men's team is rated the highest in the in FIFA rankings, or tied for the highest they've ever had. The women's yeah. team, I believe, is at sixth. But six. there's like the women's team, gold medal champions in gold medal uh, champions in Tokyo. So I mean, both pretty high. Yeah, they're both pretty high. Like five years uh, ago, we women, would have said uh, just same finished for the uh, a couple of games for their World Cup qualifiers, uh, doing quite well. I mean, I mean, the men, people are saying uh, yeah. for Qatar now, people are saying, oh, it's it's uh, not matter of like if if it's we can do this. I the mentality you, when we were still in the knockout stages beforehand, I did not, I did not realistically see the men's national team qualifying for Qatar yet. I thought it was just one tournament too early. They've proven me wrong. They are right now. They're their favorites in CONCACAF to qualify. And I, I think it would be a massive disappointment if they didn't, it would be, it would because be a huge upset at this point up this point. Yeah. Like, if just just qualifying for the World Cup 
would be huge. You know what? I want to see them qualify. I want them to, in their group stage in a World Cup, I want to see them put some points on the board. Yeah, don't whether just... that's just through a couple of draws, whether they they grab a win. I mean, who knows what the group will? Who be. knows what the group will look like? But I'm now at that stage. I don't Unless... want them to just qualify. I want them to compete. Yeah, they would. And I know they're not going to win the thing. I mean, I'm I'm going to be a little bit pragmatic that way, but. I want them to go there. I want them to take the opportunity that gets presented to them. I want them to do something with it, right? I want them to to leave the tournament proud of themselves. Yeah, they have. They can't just be like we're not have the mentality. We're just not going to be at Qatar just to be there. We have to compete. Exactly right. You know what? You've already had that thing where you got your participation medal when you showed up, uh, Mexico in '86, and you know what? Canada did not embarrass themselves when they went to Mexico. They didn't get a point, but all they, played they didn't well. lose their games by astronomical uh, scores either. Now we just pray that when they do qualify, they don't get put in a group of death. Yes. That's the Yo, only Sean also had another question. Do you have any pets? And if so, what do you have? I don't right now. I used to when I was a kid. I had a hamster. <laughs> I don't, but... My grandmother, who lives nearby, he had a dog named Bruno, Chocolate Lab. Fortunately, passed away a few months ago. I treated him like he was my own dog. Fair enough. Missed that, missed that boy. I miss yeah. him. I used to no, walk I never had pets as a kid because my mom was allergic to everything. So, Oh, that, that, that makes sense. Yeah. And then I just, I mean, both my parents grew up on farms. So if I wanted to go have any animal I wanted to, I would just, you know, go to my grandparents and go to the farm. Yeah. And um, by... Do when I eventually do move out in five, 10 years, I hope to get, hope to get a dog. My wife and my daughter have been trying to wear me down to get a dog. I, I am the one standout because uh, I, I just, not growing up with really uh, any pets, it's never really been a thing in my life, ah. but uh, we'll see. I've been told by my wife, it's going to happen at some point. She's just oh, going to come home one day and there'll be a dog here. So we'll see what happens. I like a cat, but I'm allergic to cats, unfortunately. So, my wife is allergic to cats too. Yeah. Um, sorry, cat cat people. <laughs> uh Andy, he asked, best game to play at the casino. I don't go to casinos. I'm not really a yeah. betting guy. But if I, I don't do casinos either, but I'd I'd just be doing the 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 roulette and like betting like five bucks. Because gambling is one of the things that once you're into it, you might you you will really get into it. And I don't want to get addicted. I will say I do play poker. Uh, years poker. ago, I used to play uh, quite a lot of poker. I've gotten out of it just because uh, moving to Vancouver, I haven't found a new group to play with. But uh, yeah, I do. I card games, I guess, would be uh, where I say uh, something that you know doesn't involve or that doesn't involve as. I mean, there is chance involved in all this, but you know, there there is uh, more of the skill games is where I uh, I would say I'd put my money. Fair. Another one from Andy. Do you watch the show Yellowstone? That's a show on Amazon Prime. No, but I do have an Amazon Prime membership. Maybe so I'll do check I, it and I haven't watched Yellowstone. I should because actually, uh, uh, in another lifetime, I was an actor, and one of the one of the guys on the show right now, uh, I trained under John really? Amatrice. That's interesting. Yeah, John Amatrice. I uh, I think he's on this season. It like, might have been last season as well. But uh, yeah, I figure I shouldn't watch it just because hey. uh, I I know him and he's a good guy. Not a big. Uh, I'm not a big TV watcher. I'm more of a movie guy. I'm like, 
I mean, there are shows that I have watched in the past, like The Office, Breaking Bad, which I think is the greatest TV show of all time. Breaking Bad is uh, definitely in my top three. Um, but other than other than like Japanese anime shows, I'm not a big TV watcher. I'm more of a movie. So you're guy. saying is uh, is Breaking Bad your number one show of all time? Yes. Okay, fair enough. I gotta rewatch it one of these days. I I, like, I I saw it like like after it ended, like when I was 14, 15. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, um, no, it's uh, it's uh, phenomenal. Yeah. Um. And last one from Andy. What brand of cheese do you eat at home? Cracker Barrel. I don't know. Whatever I we buy at the store. <laughs> it's always Cracker Barrel for me, especially the shredded ones. It's great on great on. It's great on tacos. Great for pasta, and it's great when you put on crackers. You heat them up and melts. Very good for a snack. So long Cracker as it's Bell. not like a low fat cheese, because then it doesn't melt. Yeah, it's it's not a low fat cheese. Yeah, that's the and, main thing. Um, this the Cracker Barrels like. Some the shredded cheese where it comes with different like types of cheese. There's mozzarella, there's cheddar or whatnot. It's good. Good stuff. All right, so that'll end the show here. Hope you enjoyed it. We got a lot to talk about on this show, just as what we said at the beginning. We'll have lots more to talk out more in the coming weeks. Uh, we'll see what where the Whitecaps are at with their off season. Uh, Europe is continuing. Champions League draw will be on Monday. We'll definitely discuss the results of that next week and hopefully uh, uh i have some games to talk about with Tottenham. yeah and uh basically for chelsea anyone but bayern munich that's what i'm hoping for but no opponent's easy not at that stage not at that stage uh ix are actually pretty good same with leal and uh for nathan dirk i'm joshua ray that concludes this week's episode of terminal city fc part of the area 51 sports network Peace out. Take care.